Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. To be together, good to spend time together in the Lord, especially studying His Word. And so let's get right down to it. Now, as we, we begin to preach this morning, take your Bibles, open up to Philippians chapter 1, one of my favorite letters in all the Bible, Philippians chapter 1. And as you turn there, one of the things that I want to do, I want to ask you a question. You ever struggled with a troublemaker? You ever had somebody in your life just really good at stirring up some, some trouble? I remember all the way back in 2010. Hey, Cindy, how are you? Welcome all the way from Nashville. Um, back in 2010, I was youth pastor at Valley Grove Baptist Church. Man, I love my students there. And uh, the highlight of our summer was going to beach camp, Panama City Beach Camp, really Laguna Beach Christian Retreat. If anybody in the house has ever stayed at Laguna Beach Christian Retreat, would you just raise your hand? Man, hey, look, I love it. Man, it's so good. My favorite place to stay on the property was a two-story dorm-style uh, building, and it's right across the street from the beach. And that, and that summer, we had that place. And man, what a good time. We got there day one, and we had noticed that the identical building right next to ours had yet to be inhabited by another youth group. So the place was really to ourselves, and we loved it. We loved it. Man, I remember first day we're in there. We get later on in the afternoon, and we're having an incredible time of Bible study, focusing in on Jesus, and then it happened. Another youth group came rolling into town. And listen, at just the sound of them, we knew that it was that kind of youth group that was going to stir up some trouble. In fact, when I, when I got to see their youth pastor, just looking at him, I knew that this was going to be some trouble. In fact, we got some footage from inside. the. Uh, look, this is the youth pastor. Notice his hair. He's got a mohawk, right? And these are some of his kids. And listen, we knew something was going on. Well, my brother Dominic, who's my youngest brother, about 10 years younger, and Zach Bennett, our worship pastor, they were there helping me do the camp. Well, they went out because as we were doing Bible study, this group was really loud. And so they went out and said, hey, guys, quiet down. We're, we're trying to get Bible study done. And as my youngest brother Dominic would say, he had a confrontation with this trouble-stirring youth pastor. But you know what? Things sort of calmed down. And that week would become a a crazy, a little bit of a crazy week. In fact, let me tell you how much I knew this this youth pastor was going to be some trouble for me. Take a look at this picture. And I had to censor out some parts because he was shirtless. And I'm not certain he wore a shirt the entire week. You ready? Look. Who does that look like? Chuck Liddell? Yeah. But you know who this is? Our very own Pastor David Husky. As God would see fit. Yeah, there he is back there. Hey, and thank you, David, for wearing his shirt today. Um, I really appreciate it. Listen, as the Lord would have it, we had a chance to serve right beside each other, unknowingly, at Panama City Beach that entire week. I'll never forget uh, my kids coming to me. Now listen, I am the king of, of pranking. I love it. Some of my kids came to me and said, hey, hey, Pastor Anthony, let's, uh, let's prank this other youth group. 
Now, here's what I knew of David, and we weren't really close at that time. We knew of each other. We weren't very close at that time at all. But, but I knew that David had an incredible youth ministry, and he reached students that no other church was reaching. In fact, that youth pastor, David Husky, had a skating park at his church. He was, reaching, he was just reaching all these young people. And I looked at my students, and I said, listen, you're not pranking them, because here's why. They will never find our bodies. I forbid you to pray. And listen, that whole week, we just, we lived a little bit of fear of David Husky, the Mohawk wearing youth pastor and his team. You know, I think of that story and it makes me laugh. And I also think of this, you know, the truth is that even Paul knew what it was to deal with some people who tried to stir up some trouble for him in his life. You know, as we continue in Philippians chapter 1, you have your Bibles there. Paul, in this letter, continues to give us glimpses of a feeling, of something that is far more than just the feeling of happy. Something that is far more satisfying than the emotion of happy. And that is a joy that we find in Jesus. But i gotta, I got to confess and i got to remind us again. You ready? That when Jesus is at the center of our joy, when Jesus is our greatest joy, that you and I, we are the happiest that we can be in this life. Hey, even in troubled times, for our joy in Jesus is not confined to our circumstances. Last time we studied through this letter a couple of weeks ago, we, we learned what it was from Paul, how to have joy in the midst of trouble. And today, we learn that sometimes partnered with trouble comes some people who like to stir up some trouble in our life. Paul had both trouble and people who tried to stir up trouble as a part of his story, especially here in Philippians chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, let's take a look at verse 15 together. And the Bible says this. He goes on to describe his circumstance. He says, there's some who indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others by goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here. Watch this. Knowing that I am put here for the defense of of the gospel. I love that, that phrasing there, put here. In the Greek, it's a military term speaking of a soldier who has been purposely, strategically stationed somewhere with a certain objective. And what Paul says as he begins to think of himself, he was deployed by God, a soldier for Christ, chained to the palace guards under house arrest, defending the gospel in Rome as he writes this letter that we now read. His mission was clear. When trouble surrounded him, when trouble came for him, when trouble happened to him, he continued in joy. And he continued to point people to Jesus. Because you ready? Because Jesus mattered most to him. Watch this in verse number 17. As he goes on, he says this, the former proclaimed Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. Thinking they can stir up some trouble for Paul while he is in prison. And I love this because he really shares with us 
exactly what's going on in his life. But here's the picture he begins to paint of his life. That though he is facing trouble, and then though, though there are those who are trying to stir up trouble for him, we see a picture of Paul keeping on, keeping on in the midst of his troubles. And you know what, church? That's exactly what you and I ought to do in the midst of troubles. And when people begin to stir up trouble for us, we ought to learn from Paul here. We ought to just keep on, keep it on. Now, apparently from the text here in verse number 17, that there are people who didn't much care for Paul, who were jealous of Paul. There were some who took advantage of his imprisonment to gain influence, notoriety, to make a name for themselves. Here's the deal. You ready? They wanted power. But little did they know that the power of Christ is not for the taking. Rather, it is God's for the giving. However, surprisingly, as Paul would note, they were preaching the gospel. Now, while they were not heretics, meaning they weren't detracting from the message of the gospel, their lives were full of hypocrisy. They got the message right, but as Paul would say, their motives were wrong. Either way, I want you to watch Paul's response to those seeking to cause him trouble. In verse 18, he would say this, But what does it matter? What does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, that Christ is preached. I love it because Paul cares more about the advancement of the gospel than he did about his troubles and those who would seek to stir up trouble with him. He cared more about the advancement of the gospel than getting back at his enemies. I ran across the story of a time where missionaries first reached Alberta, Canada. And there they would go and they would travel and they would do everything they could to take the gospel to the native Indians there. But as they settled down, they were strongly, they were fiercely opposed by a young Cree Indian chief by the name of Muscapatoon. And he did everything he could to stop their advancing of the gospel. But you know what? Those missionaries loved and prayed for and forgave him and did everything they could to reach this young Cree Indian chief with the gospel. And do you know that with time, that this young Indian chief would give his heart and his life to Jesus? Shortly after his decision, a man from the Blackfoot tribe came in and killed that young Indian chief's father. Muscapatoon, angered and hurt by what had happened, he mounted his horse and he headed towards the village where the murderer of his father was known to live. As he entered the center of that village, he demanded an audience with his father's killer. Well, they brought out the guilty man. And there he stood before this young Indian chief. Now, can you imagine the scene? What, what is Muscapatoon? What, what's he going to do to him? Is he just going to kill him there on the spot? What's going to play out here? Muscapatoon, from his horse, looked down at his father's killer and said to him, You have killed my father. Now you must be my father. You will ride my best horse, and you will have the best of my clothes. 
to wear. And the guilty man looked up at that young Indian chief. And he said, my son, you have killed me. And what he meant, of course, was that the hate in his own heart had been completely erased by the forgiveness and the kindness of that Indian chief. And I think of this, that even for a young Indian chief believer, troubles and people who stir up trouble were a part of his story, yet he kept on keeping on to what God had called him to do. Watch this, even and especially loving and forgiving his enemy. You know, maybe, just maybe, that new believer, maybe he found the key for when trouble and people who stir up trouble begin to rise up. And that is like Paul, he just kept on keeping on. You know, the Philippian church where we've been for a month and a half now was started by those whose very testimony is, though they just kept on keeping on when trouble came their way. Let's think back to the very founders, the first people who made up this church plant at Philippi. Did they know trouble? Did they have people who tried to stir up trouble for them? And here's the reason I ask. Because sometimes, I think we, you and I, we get the wrong notion about biblical people that we preach and we study, right? We assume, hey, they were trouble-free because they made the book right. But when you look at the early Philippian church, the early church planners alongside of Paul, guys, they knew their fair share of troubles And they had people who tried to stir up trouble for them. Consider Lydia, the seeker, the wealthy merchant of Philippi in Acts chapter 16, one of the planners of the Philippian church alongside of Paul. Her affluence was well noted in the Bible and well known in her Philippian community. Consider her story. I can imagine her newfound faith in Jesus, her following Jesus, hurt her business and her bottom line in a community that didn't follow after Jesus. It is also more than likely that there were some people that would try to stir up some trouble for her in her business dealings. Yet here's what we know of her story. She kept on keeping on with what God was calling her to do, using her business as a platform to tell others about Jesus and using her affluence and wealth to fund the early church. Consider another founder of the church at Philippi. A slave girl. In Acts chapter 16, her abandonment by her parents and the abuse she endured by the hands of her handlers, her whole life was full of trouble and people who sought to cause her trouble. In fact, when she was saved in Acts chapter 16, many in Philippi began to start trouble, even going as far as imprisoning Paul and Silas on her account. And yet we find in Scripture, she continued on keeping on with what God had called her to do, using her story to share the gospel with others and serving in the life of the local body of believers in Philippi. Hey, consider yet again the suicidal jailer. 
As a Roman jailer, his highest allegiance was to Rome. That was until the day that Jesus saved him outside of his jail, the night that God decided to spring Paul and Silas from his jail. Now, this suicidal jailer, his allegiance lies in Christ. And he's one of the first ones in that Philippian church. I am certain That trouble came for this jailer. I am certain that other jailers and other troublemakers confronted him and his new allegiance to Christ. Yet the jailer kept on keeping on, surrendered to Jesus, and served Christ and his church faithfully. And at the end of the day, all these believers, Lydia the seeker, the slave girl, the suicidal jailer, the Philippian church kept on keeping on, carrying out what God had called them to do. And so did Paul when trouble and people seeking to stir up trouble came his way. Now watch this in verse 18 in the second part. It says this, and because of this, Paul says, now listen, he is surveying his trouble He is surveying those who are stirring up trouble. And he says this, and because of this, I rejoice. He has joy. And he's acting upon that joy. I rejoice, yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me, watch this, you ready? Will turn out. For my deliverance. Now, notice, no apology has come from Paul's instigators. There's been no Dr. Phil intervention for Paul's critics. No Judge Judy jurisdiction to make Paul's enemies stop causing him trouble. And yet he's able to rejoice. Why? Because even in times of trouble, prayer is substantial. And God's Provision is all-sustaining and all-satisfying. I love this. Watch this. Whereas trouble tries to destroy us, Christ delivers us. Psalm 91 verse 15. He will call on me, the Bible says, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him. I will deliver him. Whereas trouble tries to destroy us, Christ has come to deliver us. You know, early on in Paul's ministry, he would write to churches in Rome. And I love this. And I want you to catch this promise for every believer in the midst of trouble. In Romans chapter 8, verse 31, what shall we say in response to these things? You ready? If God is for us, who can be against us? He goes on in verse 35 and says, Who shall separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus? You ready? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. Now watch what he goes on to write. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor death nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God That is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's an incredible promise for God's people who will know seasons of trouble and people who will stir up trouble from time to time. 
in our lives. No matter the trouble that happens to me, all that matters is that God is for me. No matter the trouble that happens around me, I am more than a conqueror because of Jesus in me. No matter the trouble that comes for me, church, nothing can separate me from the love of God that has been lavished on me. So you know what I do? I just keep on keeping on. We just got to keep on, keeping on. I ran across a story from Chuck Swindoll. Now, you have to forgive us. The part of the air conditioner that you guys might be enjoying does not work up here. It's getting fixed in a couple days. So, Lord, have mercy. I'm starting to get sweat dropping in my eyeballs. I can't see. I ran across a story Chuck Swindoll would tell. A true story of a young seminary student in Chicago. Now listen, he was there going to school, and he, desired, he had to get a job to help fund his way. He really wanted a ministry job somewhere, but there were no ministry jobs to be had, and so he took what really only job was available to him, and that was to drive a public transportation bus on the south side of Chicago. Guys, I'm going to tell you, I was, uh, I was a school bus driver for a little time in Seymour, and I thought that was rough. Man, he had, he had a little bit harder gig than I did. Well, on his route, he had a group of teenagers that would hop on his bus and refuse to pay. And this happened time and time again until one day he saw a police officer on the corner and he decided to pull his bus over, motion for the officer to come on the bus and said, hey, listen, this group of teenagers keeps, they keep coming on this bus and not paying their fare. Well, the officer got hold of him and said, fellas, y'all need to pay your fare. And they did. And the officer walked off the bus. Well, as that young seminary student turned the corner, this group of teenagers robbed him and beat him severely. Well, the police would later catch this group of teenagers. They would be arrested. And as the young man would sit there in a courtroom with them there, he would listen as the judge would come down with a final verdict. They were guilty of the crimes for which they were accused. They were guilty. They stood guilty of what they had done to this young man. But in what seemed to be something incredible, all of a sudden the young man who was robbed and beaten so badly began to see their spiritual need and was heartbroken for him. So he asked the judge in front of the entire courtroom, your Honor, can I serve this sentence for them? In shock and disbelief, the guilty group of teenagers and the judge just looked at him. And he said these words, It's because I forgive you. I'm willing to serve your sentence. Well, the judge ultimately denied the request. But guess what this young man did? He would go to the jail every week. And he would visit those boys who had beaten him so badly. And he shared the gospel with them. And several of those young men gave their hearts and their lives to Jesus. You know, I think of that story. You know what I find? A young man who just kept on 
keeping on with what God had called him to do, even when trouble and those who would stir up trouble came his way. Why? I watch a young man who, who loved and prayed for his enemies, who forgave them, who kept on keeping on with what God had called him to do. Why? Because Jesus mattered the most to him. Let me ask you a question, church. If a young Indian chief believer could do it, if a young student in Chicago could do it, if Lydia the seeker and a slave girl and a suicidal jailer could do it, if Paul could do it, if Jesus did it, why can't you and I just keep on keeping on in the troubles and in the face of those who might even stir up trouble for us? You know, I think back and I go, I look at our faith family through the years. And it's filled with men and women who have faced grave troubles and kept on keeping on for Jesus, isn't it? The Bible, in fact, is filled with these stories of imperfect men and women facing the greatest of life's troubles, yet they kept on keeping on for the cause of Christ. I think of old Abraham in the Old Testament who faced the problem of potentially losing his son, but he kept on keeping on in the faith, and God provided a ram in the thicket. I think of old Moses and the times where he would stand up against walls of water and an impending army, and yet he kept on keeping on for what God called him to do, and he would watch God destroy an army and part the sea. I think of old Noah in the Old Testament, when faced with a global flood, kept on keeping on, and God gave him the blueprints of an ark. That saved him and his family. I think of an old Elisha in front of 450 prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel with his very life on the line, kept on keeping on until the fire of God fell from heaven while the, the false god of Baal never showed up. I think of David who faced a giant trouble in the form of a giant, but David kept on keeping on in his faith, and God dropped that giant with young David's sling and a stone. And then I think of Jesus, who faced the trouble of all hell itself against him, all my sin on him. His disciples abandoning him. Men falsely accusing him. An angry crowd crying out, crucify him. And ultimately humanity killing him on the cross. But you know what? My Jesus kept on keeping on. And God raised him from the dead. And he saved all humanity who would but put their faith and their trust in him. So you ready, church? Keep on. Keeping on. Let nothing, let no one stop you. Let nothing, let no one take your joy. Let nothing, let no one distract you from Jesus. This is exactly what Paul shares with us in his letter to the Philippians. He let them know that trouble has come his way. That people are trying to stir up trouble for him. But he's going to keep on. Keeping on. And you know what? You ought to as well. I ought to as well. So here's our challenge this morning. You ready? I think that there's 70 to 80,000 people 
in our very community, with no church home. Many have known trouble. Some might even be pretty good at stirring up trouble. But all are equal in this. They are dearly loved by God. And so are you. So church, you know what we ought to do? We ought to keep on keeping on for them. Don't give up. Don't stop. Don't let trouble steal your joy. People who don't know Jesus in our community are counting on you to keep on keeping on. Let me ask you something, church. Is someone stirring up some trouble for you in your life? Can I challenge you to love them anyway? Can I Encourage you to pray for him anyway. Can I, I challenge you to forgive them even before they ask? And can I tell you just to keep on keeping on to what God's called you to do in Christ? And lastly, hey, are you in trouble spiritually this morning? You know, there's a great troublemaker Jesus would point to. In fact, he called him the thief in John chapter 10. 10. He, he's a thief that only comes to kill and to steal and to destroy. We, we know his methods. We know his tactics. He is the great troublemaker in all of history. But what Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and life to the full. Some of you listening today on, online and some of you may be in the room. Spiritually in some trouble. As the psalmist would say and as Paul would say even in this letter, there is only one person who can deliver you. His name is Jesus. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.